I wonder how it was back then. I wonder what it would have been like to be there, to been with the shepherds, to see those angels and to go with them and to see that little baby lying in a manger. And, you know, I, I love the different perspectives because we are all very different people. I mean, you can look around the room and we're from all over the world, all different age ranges. And it's, it's good to, to embrace these different perspectives. And um, I think that we can learn a lot, learn about life, learn a lot about God by seeing different perspectives. And today we're going to especially focus on the perspective of the wise men. Now, have you ever wondered what it might have been like for the wise men to have been there on that very first Christmas, um, to, to think about what it might have been like, like walking through the desert to get to this town that they've probably never been to before? Do you wonder what your response might have been as well if you were with the wise men? What if you were one of those wise people? And, and what, would you have followed them as well? Would you have followed the star? Now, so today, like I said, we're going to be looking at the response of those wise men. And I hope that by looking at their response that we too can become wise people by responding similarly to what Christ has done in our life. So... We're going to look at that story today. If you want to look, you can look at Matthew 2. We're going to be talking about the, the account in Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12. And just for you guys to know, I'm going to be reading out of the NIRV today. That's the New International Reader's Version. And so that's what we use in our kids' ministry, and it's, it's a really easy-to-understand version. But to also help our little ones as well, we have a, a little video that's going to show that story as well. So... Take a look at the screen. The wise men. When Jesus was born in the village of Bethlehem in Judea, Herod was king. During this time, some wise men from the east came to Jerusalem and said, Where is the child born to be king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard about this, he was worried, and so was everyone else in Jerusalem. Herod brought together the chief priests and the teachers of the law of Moses and asked them, Where will the Messiah be born? They told him, He will be born in Bethlehem, just as the prophet wrote. Bethlehem in the land of Judea, you are very important among the towns of Judea. From your town will come a leader who will be like a shepherd for my people Israel. Herod secretly called in the wise men and asked them when they had first seen the star. He told them, Go to Bethlehem. Search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, let me know. I want to go and worship him too. The wise men listened to what the king said and then left. And the star they had seen in the east went on ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. They were thrilled and excited to see the star. When the men went into the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother, they knelt down and worshipped him. They took out their gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh and gave them to him. Later, they were warned in a dream not to return to Herod. They went back home by another road. So that's the story of Christmas we hear every year. 
We hear about these men coming, and we, we hear about God giving us his son, giving his son to the world, and wise men coming and giving gifts to this son. And it sort of started a trend, right? Um, it was, I guess, the first Christmas tradition of giving gifts. And it's, it's good to have traditions, but you know, a lot of Christmas has become commercialized now. But nevertheless, it's a beautiful tradition to, to give gifts. And I don't know if your, your family have your own Christmas traditions. Um, what, we have one, and, and I, I'm becoming to enjoy it more and more every year, is that my wife makes this sweet potato casserole. Now, I don't know if, you're, I don't know if this is just a, a, the USA South kind of thing, but sweet potato casserole is incredible. And I look forward to it every single year. And I know I get to have it usually twice, usually for Thanksgiving and also for, for Christmas. But it's, it's wonderful if you've never had it. It's sweet potatoes, which are actually sweet potatoes alone, I'm not a huge fan of, but they're okay. But then we have marshmallows, okay, which marshmallows are incredible, and then pecans. So you combine all of that together, and it's just like this beautiful concoction. It's all combined to make something greater than the sum of the original ingredients. I don't know what happens in the oven or what my wife does, but I love it so much. But we should probably get back to the story. And so to remind ourselves what happened... um, and we can get that off the screen, please, because I'm going to get really hungry. It says in, in verse 10, I'm going to read it, that when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. The wise men went to the house where they saw the child with his, with his mother, Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him, and they opened their treasures. They gave him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Like I was saying before, I, I wonder what their conversations were as they traveled through the desert. I wonder what it was like to see that star that grabbed their attention so tightly and what it would have been like to, to walk all that way and to find this little baby with his little mother, young mother. And what I'm trying to get at today and what I want to, to ask you guys is what do you see when you look at Jesus? I'm going to ask that question several times today. And the answer that, to that question is actually going to have a lot of weight to it. It'll influence your actions. You see, here in this story, if we were to read a little further, we see that we have, we have a king, King Herod, and he sees this newborn Jesus as a threat, a threat to his power, a threat to his kingdom, a nuisance that needed to be disposed of. But then you have these wise men who come from a really long far away place that we're not really sure where. And they didn't see Jesus as a threat. They didn't see him as a nuisance. And they didn't just see him as a small little baby, but they saw him as a small child who was worthy of being bowed down to, worshiped and given treasures. Do you see him like that? How do you see Jesus? Now, there is a polarity today in this world that and it's, it's ultimately up to you to determine how you yourself is, are going to view Jesus. However, and this, this could be an unpopular statement, it, your opinion of Jesus doesn't change who he is, but it does undoubtedly, it will change who you are. These wise men seemed to understand what they needed to do, yet they were not Jewish They didn't have the religious pedigree of the scholars and the scribes to understand the prophecy that was foretold about the coming king. 
but they knew that this baby was unlike any other child before. His arrival would change the world, and it definitely did. And they responded by traveling far away, following a star. And they went to the capital, Jerusalem, probably thinking that this this king that would change the world would at least be born in a palace or born in the capital city, but he was not. And that's when the scribes and and the confused king, he didn't really know what was going on, the scribes told them that scriptures pointed to not Jerusalem, but a little town a little bit south of Jerusalem called Bethlehem. So they get to Bethlehem, they arrive, and they find the stars resting above where Jesus is, and they find a house, and they enter the house, and I love that the Bible points out that they bowed down, they worshiped him, and they gave what they had. Now, I think we can learn a lot about, learn a lot from the perspective of these Middle Eastern astrologers, (laughs) The Bible doesn't really tell us their names. It doesn't tell us their exact titles either. We don't even know exactly how many there were. Now, we assume that there were three, but the Bible never specifies. We are introduced to them as star-watching men, but they, I believe that they did have a revelation from God and that they, they knew the importance of this baby. I believe that they knew exactly who this baby was and who he was going to be precisely by the gifts that they gave him and the actions that they made when they came to see him. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to examine these three gifts. These three gifts, I believe they painted a picture as to how the wise men viewed Jesus. They sort of gave us an insight as to their perspective, as to what they were thinking, what perhaps they were talking about, what they were doing, coming so far away to a place that they never heard of to see this little baby. So to start us off, we're going to talk about gold, okay? Now, gold is a gift fit for a king. Gold is usually chosen for a king's crown because it's esteemed for its high status and its purity of form. And I actually have a box of gold down here. So actually, can one of you help me by bringing up this box of gold? I need some help. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. All right. So we got gold right here. Now, it's relatively easy to shape and to use in ornate jewelry, and it's, that's why it's so wanted among jewelers and kings of that day. It's, it's a great gift for a king, but a very odd gift for a baby. I don't know how many of you guys, whenever you had your first child and somebody came and bring you a whole chest of gold... That'd be nice, but uh, it didn't happen to me. But it's a perfect gift for a king. Jesus was not an earthly king, though. However, uh, he was known as a carpenter's son, and he was not kingly. But let's look at a description of Jesus, and it's found actually in the book of Revelation, And um, this is what John saw when he was looking into heaven and he saw Jesus. And and here's the description. And I think it'll sort of give us an idea as to maybe who Jesus is. It says this in verse 11. I saw heaven standing open. There in front of me was a white horse and its rider is called Faithful and True. When he judges or makes war, he is always fair. His eyes are like a blazing fire. On his head are many crowns. 
A name is written on them that only he knows. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven are following him, riding on white horses. They were dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of the rider's mouth is a sharp sword. He will strike down the nations with a sword, and scripture says he will rule them with an iron scepter. He stomps on the grapes of God's winepress. The winepress stands for the terrible anger of the God who rules over all. Here is the name that is written on the rider's robe and on his thigh, the greatest king of all, the most powerful Lord of all. Wow. Now, it seems so hard to believe that this little bitty child that these wise men were visiting, so helpless and so dependent on his young mother, it seems so hard to believe that he would one day be the greatest king of all, the most powerful Lord of all. But these wise men, they went into the house and they bowed down. They acknowledged that they were in the presence of a king and that their money, their possessions, their positions, the power that they held in whatever land that they came from, it was no match for who they were in the presence of. They knew who he was. You know, C.S. Lewis actually um, said that humility isn't thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. It seems kind of odd, but humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's about thinking of yourself less. Being humble and acknowledging Jesus as Lord should actually make yourself feel small, but not that you're not valuable. It's, it's like a man standing up against a giant mountain and feeling very small. It's, it's, it's whenever, whenever they were in the presence of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, how could they think about their achievements? How could they think about their abilities when they're in the presence of such an incredible king like John describes? It's not about puffing ourselves up to make us feel like we're equals with Jesus. It's all about rejoicing in the sovereign thought that he is a powerful king. He's the king of kings. And we understand that our worth is found in him and that we should rejoice that he is so powerful, that he is Lord of lords and king of kings. So it's an, it's an incredible thought to think that such a little child that was there in Bethlehem that the wise men came to see was actually king of all. Maybe gold was a good gift after all. So our next gift that we have is frankincense. Now frankincense is a tree resin that's it's actually harvested by you slash a tree trunk and you allow the, the sap to run down the tree and it, you leave it to dry and it hardens and then it's scraped off and further dried as well. So can you guys help me with that? Oh, that's a big one. Nice. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Now we got our golden or frankincense. All right. So frankincense is a highly aromatic um, incense. We see it actually a few different times in the Bible, if you look for it. Um, it's usually in the Old Testament, and it usually has to do with a priestly act. So we see it a lot in Leviticus. Um, but frankincense, it would have been a great gift for a priest, but also a very odd gift for a baby. 
You don't want to put frankincense in your mouth. That would probably be uh, really unpleasant. And, but many times, uh, um, the Bible details how the priest would lay out an offering to God, whether that be a meat offering or a flour offering, and that they were to put frankincense on top of it and burn it, and it would just create this lovely, sweet aroma. It was part of the weekly Sabbath routine, and it would be laid out before God as part of their worship and their remembrance of God's commands and what God has done for them. That's what the wise men did as well. They came into the house. Not only did they bow down, they worshiped him. They worshiped Jesus when they came into the house. And they gave him a gift that was fit for a priest. And Jesus is our ultimate priest. In Hebrews 4, we have another window into who Jesus really was. And it says this in verse 14. We have a great high priest. He has gone up into heaven and he is Jesus, the son of God. So let us hold firmly to what we say we believe. We have a high priest who can feel it when we are weak and hurting. We have a high priest who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, but he did not sin. So let us boldly approach God's throne of grace. Then we will receive mercy. We will find grace to help us when we need it. Now, a priest is there to mediate between God and man. And originally, God walked with Adam and Eve with no mediator. There was no need for a priest. But then this thing called sin came into our lives. And now God's holy presence, it could not tolerate man's sin. That's why we needed a mediator. Now, the laws in Leviticus dictated how priests would make atonements for people's sins, how, how they would pay to try to cover up these sins, and how to instruct God's people in worship. And frankincense was often used in those atonements. It would create a sweet aroma in the tabernacle. It was actually a, a wonderful gift to give to a priest. So maybe it was a good gift for Jesus after all. Now our final gift that we have is myrrh. Myrrh is also a tree resin. And it was also very aromatic and used in burning of incense. And Josiah, can you help me with that big box too, buddy? Up higher, higher, higher. All right, thank you, buddy. All right. So we have myrrh as well. But you know what myrrh was also used for? And more commonly than burning as incense, they would sprinkle myrrh over the dead. Um, it would embalm the dead and take away the bad odors. Now, it seems like a horrible gift for a baby. You know, that just seems like a very odd gift to come bringing this, here's some embalming fluids for your child on his birth. No, that's, I don't know why you would do that, but they did it, and they, they, but they knew they, they, it was a terrible gift for a baby, but not for the one who would one day be our great sacrifice, the one that would take our sins and die for them. Now, Philippians 2 says this in verse 8 through 4. I'm sorry, verse 4 through 8. None of you should look out just for your own good. Each of you should also look out for the good of others. As you deal with one another, you should think and act as Jesus did. In his very nature, he was God. Jesus was equal with God. 
But Jesus didn't take advantage of the fact. Instead, he made himself nothing. He did this by taking on the nature of a servant. He was made just like human beings. He appeared as a man. He was humble and obeyed God completely. He did this even though it led to his death. Even worse, he died on a cross. Church, he was our great sacrifice. He gave all of his body, all of himself, on the cross for us. And you know, that makes the wise men's gifts seem quite small. And there's actually some historians that estimate with market value, and if we were to estimate about a kilo of each gift, that it could have very well been worth about $120 million back in that day. But yet he he went to the cross and he gave all of himself, and it makes their gifts seem like nothing. Yet it was also so telling as to what that small child would one day grow up and do for us. Imagine approaching that small baby. We don't know if he was a few months old, a few weeks old, or he might have been two years old by now. But the wise men came to that child, and they, that child would one day go to the cross willfully for their sins. His body would be sacrificed instead of theirs. John 1, 29 says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now that lamb it was being sacrificed for you. If that lamb was going to be sacrificed for you, if that, if that, that being in front of you would one day grow up to take your sins on the cross, you'd want to take care of him as much as you could. Like I said, myrrh was a horrible gift for a baby, but it was just right for the one who would one day willingly lay down their life for you. So church, all, all of these things that, that I've been talking about, about the different gifts and what they sort of symbolize, it sort of feeds back to our original question. What do you see when you look at Jesus? The wise men saw something that Herod refused to see. Jerusalem, God's people, his, his chosen city, they should have been so overjoyed by the news that this, this new king was being born. But they were terrified. They were in great distress. <laughs> they should have been jumping for joy, but they didn't. And some pagan astrologers had to come and tell them and show them what real joy looked like. But they didn't see it as a time to rejoice. But the wise men did. So this, this is what the wise men saw. They had three gifts, okay? So they had... Myrrh. Myrrh is a gift that was a perfect gift for the sacrifice that would one day give their life for theirs. He was a spotless lamb. And then they also had Frankincense. Now, frankincense, like we said before, was a horrible gift for a baby, but it was the perfect gift for a priest, our great 
high priest. And then they gave gold, gold for a king that would one day rule over all, king of kings and lord of lords. Now, I don't know if you see what I see, church. (laughs) Let me help you out. We have the king, the priest, and the lamb. Do you see what I see? (laughs) Do you see what the wise men saw? This baby was more than a baby. This baby was the Messiah. He was king of kings, our great high priest, and the spotless lamb that would take away our sins. Not just for those that lived in Jerusalem or for those that that were Jewish by blood, but for all of those who would come and recognize that he is the Messiah. He is Jesus. Like it says in in verse 11 of, of Matthew 2, the wise men went into the house and they saw the child with his mother married and they bowed down and they worshiped him and they opened their treasures. They gave him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then this peculiar verse is also in there. But God warned them in a dream not to go back to Herod, so they returned to their country on a different road. Do you see why the wise men did that? Do you see why they were willing to come and give these very expensive gifts to a small child? They left town searching for a remarkable baby, and I often wonder, how in the world did they know these things? How did they... Were they able to know that these gifts would be perfect gifts for Jesus? And I think that God revealed it to them. He opened their eyes and they were obedient to it. They were obedient to God's direction and that's what happens to us, church, whenever we see Jesus for who he really is. Our own thoughts our perceptions, they begin to fade. And what becomes clear is what God has instructed us to do. His word becomes more valuable than our opinions. His word is stronger than our fears, than our comfort, than our own plans. And you see, just as, as they saw the Christ child, God warned them in a dream not to return to Herod and they went a new way. And meeting Jesus usually does that. When you see him for who he is and when you have your eyes open to who Jesus really is, he will change you and he will change the way you go afterwards because he is the king, the priest, and the lamb. Now, King Herod saw Jesus as a threat and he set into action this horrible plot to kill Jesus and all the other baby boys around Jesus' age. And he was so terrified of having his title threatened His followers follow somebody else. And perhaps you're not to that extreme. I sure hope you're not to that extreme. But perhaps you are afraid as to what Jesus will do to your life. Maybe you've spent your life or your time building something and it seems reckless to put all your hope in the hands of a man that you've never met. (laughs) I I wish we could have been there 2,000 years ago and we could have seen that 
that spectacle of the star that moved through the sky and, and seeing what it would have been like to, to been with the shepherds as they, as they heard those angels singing and rejoiced with Mary and Joseph over their newborn son. But did you know that we have the incredible gift that we now have the full story as to who Jesus is? There's no doubt that he is the best gift given to this world. So I ask you again, do you see Jesus like that? Do you see what I see when I look at Jesus? Do you see him for who he really is? You know, his word is a gift to us. And we should use his word. His word instructs us. His word will tell us the ways to go in our life. It'll give us wisdom, and that's a gift to us, church. But today, I just want you guys to consider, who do you see when you look at Jesus? Is he a small baby that was born into this world and we celebrate now by giving people gifts and eating sweet potato casserole? (laughs) Or is he king of kings, lord of lords, our great high priest, and the spotless lamb that was slain for us? Because if you see him like that, it's going to change your life. It's going to change the way you go. I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask the band to come up and we're going to end our our service today in, in worshiping him. But if at any, if maybe you wanted to talk about um, how you view Jesus, we're going to have a a group of of leaders up front at the end of the service. Feel free to come up. But let me pray for you now as we end. Jesus, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you. We thank you that you are the King of Kings. We thank you that you're a great high priest, and we thank you that you're the spotless lamb that was slain for us, God. I pray that we would have an understanding and a realization as to what that should mean for our lives. We just, we don't want this to be a simple Christmas story, a Christmas story that we open up and and then we close the Bible and then we go about our ways and living no different than we were before, but help it to, to organize our thoughts and organize our ways, Lord. Change our ways if we need to be changed. We pray that your gospel, that your story would be revealed to us. And God, I do pray for those that maybe don't know you like this. Maybe they just knew you as a story or they knew you as a great man, but maybe they don't see you as their Messiah, the one that took away their sins, the one that is powerful and leads heaven's armies and the one that is, was the only one that was able to pay for it, God. I pray for them, and I pray for, for all of, of those that are here today, Lord, that we would see you and that we would rejoice, God, that we would come before you and we would just thank you, especially during this season where we celebrate Christmas, that we would just thank you for coming and for changing our world. It's in your name we pray, amen.